Chris Titley, and as part of the Morgan's Conversation series, I'm joined by Sam Budaselic, Managing Director of ASX Listed Cash Converters. Sam, thanks so much for being part of this series. Thanks for having me, Chris. Sam, let's talk about Cash Converters, a well-known brand in Australia, but can you give us some context around the history of the business um, and, and, and I suppose where the business fits in the financial landscape of Australia? Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, look, we were incorporated in WA in Perth in 1984. Um, the first store was in Victoria Park in WA. And thereafter, the, the model really grew uh, onshore in Australia through a corporate franchise model and offshore through a franchise model. So the business, um, it's grown to 150 stores in Australia, um, You know, a little bit over half corporate, uh, the rest franchise. Uh, the model's then really gone into New Zealand with about 40 stores um, that are all franchised and then the rest of the world, there's about a, a 600 store spread over the rest of the world. Um, the UK is about 200 of that and really every other country you can think of through Europe um, has a Cashies um, master franchise arrangement. And traditionally the, the business really was a pawnbroking and retail secondhand goods operation. And that's really changed over the last, um, you know, five to ten years to be a, a personal finance provider um, for, for the customer segment that banks won't deal with, um, often referred to as subprime borrowers, but um, people that have a, a credit file that has a, a mark on it um, are an issue that the bank won't, won't be willing to take a risk on. Um, Cashies is there to meet the cash needs of that part of the economy. And Sam... Let's talk about the products that, that cash converters offer. And, and again, that, that subprime market, I mean, it's talked about a lot uh, in the US that, that that market is actually enormous, like over 100 million people. We can talk about the Australian landscape again and the products that you offer and, and to fulfill the requirements of those customers. Yeah, I think um, the credit file or the FICO score in the US, as it's known, is, is very common and, and consumers are aware of that and the impact it has on pricing of credit to them. Um, from credit cards to personal loans to mortgages. And I think Australia is is, is coming along that path. Um, we've just had a big change to our regime to make the credit score comprehensive, not just a negative score. Um, but I think importantly, it's just becoming more relevant to people. And in Australia, if you, you know, we, we sort of think there's around 4 million uh, adult Australians that have, a, have an issue with their credit score or credit file that would prevent them from getting uh, access to, to banking finance. Um, and I'm not talking a mortgage, I'm just talking a credit card or, or a loan that you or I might be entitled to. So um, we've really worked hard in our business to meet that growing need and um, online and through store. We offer personal finance products. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a way of thinking of it as a store is sort of like a bank branch and the online platform is like, um, you know, the bank app that we're familiar with. You can, you can borrow and administer your loans through, through the platform, but we offer small uh, amounts, uh, unsecured loans and the loan products are regulated under the National Credit Act that ensures that pricing is capped and certain protections are in place to protect um, this part of the economy. We offer uh, really up to $5,000 unsecured loans. Um, so we're having people coming in looking for a loan for a washing machine repair or um, a, a dental expense or an unexpected expense of some sort. And um, you know, up to the higher end of that, that range, the $5,000 range, it's often 
travel or get married girl or something like that that people are looking to have some finance to assist them with um, sorting an issue they've got in their lives. Um, so that's really the unsecured part of our lending business is are those small loans and, and we're, we're having to take a risk on someone coming in that they repay us when we lend that money completely unsecured. The other part of our business is a vehicle loan business um, and that is obviously secured against a vehicle. Those loan amounts are a bit larger because we do have security. Um, they, they average about $12,500 a loan over about three years. So they're, they're the two main personal finance products that's um, in addition to the traditional services that we've offered that many of your listeners are probably familiar with on the pawnbroking and retail side. And Sam, on that on that consumer loan, um, can you talk about the the, the, the cycle um, in regards to the repayments? Again, the average loan size per se, and and I suppose last year during what was an unprecedented year, where there was a lot of focus on a personal balance sheet due to the uncertainty of of the COVID health pandemic. I mean, how people have adapted and and some of the consumer habits behind that. Yeah, it's fascinating watching, um, you know, if, you, if I think back to April, we really put a couple of um, measures in place just to ensure that we didn't expose ourselves to a credit risk problem, um, assuming a lot of people would lose their jobs as industry shut down. And what we actually saw was a, a big flood of government stimulus, and particularly through our part of the economy. And, and, and by design, um, what happened there was that people prudently, in many cases, repaid their obligations and spent anything left over in our stores on the on the, um, the retail side and you know businesses like JB Hi-Fi and Harvey Norman sort of experiencing record retail booms uh, we were in that position uh, a function of our model being slightly different is that our procurement of inventory is through a, a single interaction with a customer coming in selling us an item so we couldn't quickly replenish our inventory levels so we had a really big spike in inventory uh, retail turnover that ran our inventory down took a little while to rebuild that. We had our loan books, really, because our short-term loan product nature, they really paid down quite quickly, too, and they've, they've started rebuilding as well. So the business really, um, it was probably a magnified impact due to the short-term nature of the lending business um, that we experienced through our loan books was quite unique. And all of that we've seen starting to normalise, I'd say, um, not only the demand for credit, but also the loss profile. Uh, I think people having money that they didn't expect meant that our bad debt rates sort of hit record lows. Um, our hardship levels were at record lows and the behaviour of the consumer was quite, um, everybody uses the word unprecedented, but it was unique in terms of my experience um, having worked in finance for sort of 25 years. So I think what we've seen now is that some good learnings through that period. Um, we've, we've had an opportunity to bring a fair bit of cash back into our business and think about how we then deploy that going forward. We've got new credit risk insights and overlays, so we're not thinking that um, record low default rates are a thing that would go on forever. We're expecting some normalisation as the economy opens and people start spending again. But I think it's put us in a really strong position in terms of um, cash on our balance sheet and um, our current footing to to be there as um, people need money as they start moving around and travelling and spending again. When it comes to... um the, the competition or the, the competitive landscape, I suppose, for that market. I mean, it doesn't sound like, I mean, credit cards would be an obvious one, but again, again you're playing outside of that market. I mean, does anyone really, uh, I mean, Brian, our pilot comes to mind, is anyone really specifically mm-hmm. targeting that market? And and my other question on the back of that is the name Cash Converter is obviously predominantly well-known for, for pawnbroking, as you mentioned. Is it is it hard to educate people to get that we actually do this and this is a legitimate lending business that is is you know growing well 
Yeah, it's, Chris, it's interesting because we have over 80,000 active personal um, loan holders or customers, unique customers, and um, we have about half a, half a million customer records in our, in, our, in our business. Every applicant that comes in, we load their bank statement to conduct a full responsible lending assessment under the legislation. So we have to apply a similar process that a bank would to awarding a mortgage to someone to a small loan. So it's quite, it's quite a rightly arduous process to ensure that you're responsibly assessing someone in terms of their income and their expenses and the suitability for this loan. What's happened is, I think, interestingly, Buy Now, Pay Later operates under an exemption under the Act and those rules. So uh, a Buy Now, Pay Later product issuer doesn't have to conduct those um, checks and balances. And it's made it a lot easier for people to access credit without having to go through a fairly arduous process. So you you see people embracing that product so for that reason, I think. And look, it's been a great innovation. And um, I think if anything, the protections that we offer our customers should be extended to, to borrowers in that buy now, pay later space. But that would have a very serious impact on those business models as friction was introduced. But on the other side, on the unsecured lending side, under that same exemption, uh, there's an earned wage access product release that's sort of come down from the US into Australia, and that's offered by um, you know companies you might have heard of like Before Pay and My Pay Now. They operate under the same Buy Now Pay Later exemption, which essentially means they don't have to conduct um, those checks and balances to award people short-term loans. So I think looking at the way the short-term cash needs are being addressed for consumers. The market has been severely disrupted, but almost on an unlevel playing field where the operators in those industries aren't, aren't sort of adhering to the same sensible rules that uh, many of the other lenders are that sit with a credit license under the Credit Act. So I think what we've said is, look, that's happened. And speaking to ASIC, who um, are our regulator, and providing a lot of information around consumers because we have a lot around how they're performing and traveling. We've, we've taken the approach of trying to use our technology and our data warehouses to offer the protections that we offer our customers in the longer-term loan space into that shorter-term space and compete in that fashion so that we can get back to being relevant, meeting those short-term cash needs, but doing it in a different way, essentially future-proofing the business, but more importantly, offering that protection to customers that, that's not currently there with our pay later products set in particular. And Sam, holistically speaking overall, when people look at their finances, there's a lot of budgeting apps, there's a lot of people trying to do spreadsheets and things like that. I mean, is there something out there that, that is missing, do you think? Or is it just really too hard in terms of the number of variables? I mean, I can budget as much as I want, but I probably can't budget for a flat tire or my kids going to breaking their arm or, or, or medical expenses, etc. Um, I mean, can you talk about that market per se and the education around personal financial management? Yeah, look, a lot of people are doing it tough. And I think um, a big part of the economy, people, I think it was one in three Australians, Commonwealth Bank was saying, couldn't get their hands on $300 in an emergency. I guess it's a function of a lot of what we've been through. And, um, you know, I read about high consumer saving rates, but that's really restricted to what I would say was the prime part of the, the economy. So in the sub or near prime part of the economy where people don't have um, deep bank accounts and um, job security, a lot of casual workers and people that aren't on salaries are, are in that, that category. 
um, unexpected expense management is, is difficult. And if you think you can pull out a credit card and kind of, you know, manage an expense and, and if you didn't have that capability, how, how, where would you go? So one option is, um, you know, the service that we provide, which is regulated and legislated and it's a safe environment for people to operate in and borrow like that. I think um, what we're trying to do is to take a lot of the, the smarts that we see in the market at the top end and take them into the, the lower end of the um, credit range. So if we can sort of take reduce people's credit risk profile, we can then offer them lower loan rates um, as we improve their loss profile. And that, a part of that is helping um, with education, um, providing people a service in store in particular where they can go and see someone and we'll, we'll help them manage their repayments and their commitments um, to, to, to leave them in a better place when they when they finish a loan repayment. And our loans do repay, they're not they're not revolving. So there's a case of, you know, I think people when they the people in our part of the economy do manage their budgets very well because I guess it's a function of not having a lot of surplus income. They really need to be prudent with how they allocate their cash and they'll work through their repayment cycles. They like to repay their loans and, and they're actually pretty good money managers, which which might surprise some of your listeners. But in general, I think the more we can help people with budgeting, um, financial education and literacy to ultimately improve their credit profile, it, it will leave them in a better, better place as they move through the system um, and, and hopefully um, become entitled to many of the privileges that a lot of other Australians are, are accessing as a result of that. Their, their improved credit profile. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a, a good point over the education and wellness piece, broadly speaking, and, and how there's different tools and, and different uses of innovation and technology. And, and, and on that topic, I mean, how are you building out your your tech platform, Your the, the way that people can access um, money easily and faster and, and potentially cheaper on risk-based pricing, et cetera? I mean, how important is it for you to get your, your tech right and your user experience right? Yeah, I think the front-end customer-facing tech is becoming um, more of a hygiene because um, as a modern-day business, you need a great customer interface that provides a great customer experience. So we've invested heavily in um, having an app and um, you know ensuring that we can digitally process an applicant, load bank statements quickly, um, arrive at a position using technology on that customer's profile and making it an easy experience for the customer as we meet some pretty arduous obligations under the legislation, which is a great problem solved with technology. And it looks great and it feels great and um, it's good for the customer. I think I think the real value with a financial service business like ours is under the hood. And um, as we run um, advanced machine learning across our loan books, we are trying to predict an outcome um, of a borrower before they've even really completed an application to enable us to determine how we can assist them. And you need a lot of customer data, a lot of bank statement data, and a big data warehouse to be able to then interrogate thousands of attributes for every single borrower coming in and, and trying to build your own risk profile and predictability models around that. So, um, you know, without sort of causing people to glaze over, as we as we get better at doing that, we can then offer faster, cheaper, better customer solutions. And I think that's probably more important, provided you have a modern day platform, you absolutely need that. Um, but I think as we sort of embrace our technology and leverage it, it's more about that data analytics and capability assessment piece than it is about um, building any new toys for the, for the customer. And I'd, I'd encourage people to, to jump on and you know have a look at our website we offer online retail online lending 
um, customers um, in our lending business can go into their app and manage their loan repayments. And in many ways, it looks like one of the major bank apps. So um, that's come a long way for us in this Cashies V 2.0 world, as I like to kind of refer to it at, at internally. Um, but, you know, I think now we're really in a great position with our, our analytics to really start to take um, a, a challenge to the market, particularly in our part of the market, of just doing so much better. And Sam, um, at a high level, can you talk about the success over of the cash converters has had over the last couple of years entering the space, sort of pivoting from where you've come from into what you're doing now? Yeah, I've spent five years here, Chris. I had a, a, a banking um, background. I, I came into a consumer finance business and um, fell in love with the challenge of um, doing this, this better and quicker. And um, when when we've um, when we've approached this five years ago, uh, we were manually, you know, putting a bit of paper down and writing all the bank statement transactions down and trying to get a view on the customer. We we rebuilt the entire platform. Um, we just had this view that we needed to embrace technology to enable us to do this quickly and make it a pleasant experience. Uh, our customers, in some cases, have seventy or eighty sort of pages of a bank statement, lots of small transactions that we need to identify and categorise. So we built the rebuilt the engine from the ground up, and that allows us now to sort of take a bank statement and a credit file and spin that into something useful for a loan assessor onshore. Uh, in Australia to look at within minutes. And, um, you know, that's been a massive change for, for our business. And that, that same platform exists through the store network to, to guide the guys in terms of assessing um, a customer who pre- presents physically to a store as well. So, um, you know, over half of our earnings are coming through this finance business now. Um, about 20% of our earnings come through the store network. So you can really see the changing shape of the business. Um, and like I say, the online um, platforms just exploded, particularly through the COVID period. But online lending and retail is up about 15% year on year as, as, as we've started to increase our digital um, reach. But the online risking of a customer is very different because of the risk profile that someone runs when they present without actually facing it. So I think with our store network, we have a unique capability where we're actually physically seeing people and dealing with people for much stickier relationship. And you're much more likely to, to be repaid by that person due to that, that interpersonal relationship they have with the store guys and the store manager. So an interesting sort of um, variation on these pure fintech models that you're seeing with our store network, but a lot of the technology is the same in the digital world and part of our business as it, as it is with, it, with the startups that are much deeper customer pool and better credit risk models in my opinion. And Sam, uh, now that you've positioned the business and, and the, the 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 earnings are coming through, I mean, what a, one final question: What excites you about the cash converters business moving forward over the next coming years? Chris, we've got a really unique brand that is sort of over ninety percent recognised. So that's a terrific um, testament, I think, to the past and um, a, a lot of work's been put into the brand and. Having been here for five years now, really doing a complete rebuild and future-proofing the business, I think now we can really take our, our platform into into new markets um, and offer new product to our existing customers. So, a year, uh, sorry, five years ago, um, we only had a, a two thousand dollar loan product that was one hundred percent of the loan book. Um, as we're moving away from that that loan product, that's down under half the loan book now. As new loan books have um, you know been launched and they're growing, so um, our technology, I think we sort of solved the hardest part of the origination um, product set—that small amount loan 
um, and meeting our responsible lending obligations. Having done that, um, we can now move forward into into new products and new markets, and um, also digitally. So um, it's it's an exciting time for us, and with a really strong balance sheet, um, you know, we've also got the opportunity to consider acquisitions. Um, we do it in a very disciplined way and small scale. Um, I.e., you know, we're buying franchise stores back as we commence the process of corporatizing our network. Um, but, you know, we're, we're there for, you know, reviewing other loan books and um, it, we're in a very fragmented industry. So having about a third of the market share in our, in our market, it, it does allow us the opportunity to start to consolidate and really uh, dominate. Sam, we'll uh, leave it there, mate. Thanks so much for uh, introducing the Cash Converter story to the to the network and the listeners. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy as a CEO, so really uh, I congratulate you on what you've achieved over the last couple of years in the senior management role and also the last five years that you've been at Cash Converters and, and really look forward to catching up. Thanks for having me, Chris. I enjoyed speaking to you and I look forward to doing so again soon. Thank you. 